Your next 10 million is a community dedicated to folks who have achieved wealth and are looking to achieve greatness. Our interviews and discussions focus on growing your family's wealth and cash flow with investors across asset classes, but with a particular focus on housing and real estate. But there's more to growing your wealth than just capital allocation. So we try to bring you a variety of conversations and experts. Please subscribe to get notified as soon as a new episode is released. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. It just felt right. All right. So we got a really special episode because our last episode, right, Cody, went a little bit too long because you kept asking me great questions. And it was super interesting. So we kept we had to we had to keep it going. Thank you. I, it's, to me, my, my life is normal. So it is very interesting when someone says my life is interesting. But we were supposed to do half and half. It ended up being all me. So we're going to do our third episode on you, Mr. Cody, Mr. Littlewood. How are you today, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. If there's a screaming kid in the background, I apologize. Yeah. I should go to the studio. Okay. Um, I'm good, man. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm. I'm actually. I'm. I'm getting to the end of my day. It's 4 p.m. here. So, yeah. Uh, just wrapping up the day and uh, looking to, looking forward to this hour. Good. It's it's good to see you smile. We we had a we had a crack a smile on your face earlier because of uh, when we started talking about parrots and tortoises, yeah. which you just know everything about, which is crazy. We could save that for another time, but I <laughs> I only know about the edibility of tortoises. That's that's I had to look up the parrot thing. Did you? Do you want to share a little bit about that before we get into it? Because it just feels right. <laughs> it feels right. Uh, no, I just think it was incredibly interesting. So. Uh, the the giant tortoise wasn't properly classified by scientists for so long because they were delicious and no specimens <laughs> ever made it from the Galapagos back to Europe because they were eaten on the voyage. And I just found that super, they're supposedly, uh, Darwin called them, uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but something to the effect of, of more delectable, uh, more delectable than tenderloin. Jesus. And uh, they, they were supposedly incredibly, incredibly delicious. They also uh, have a bladder inside their inside their shell that contains fresh water. So when they were butchered, they would have fresh water on the sail, sail backwards. So and they they last for like six months without um, without dying, without eating or drinking. They can last for six months. So well, they were. I'm never going to look at one again yeah. the same. I would look at them as magical, and now I'm just going to wonder what they taste like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really want to eat a giant tortoise, but I think I'll probably go to jail for a long yeah, time. Yeah, probably for sure. For so, sure. I Meredith think that, called them the perfect lunchbox. Which yeah, is. that's true. <laughs> that's a great segue into who the hell are you? You know, tell us a that's little bit. Segue. Of, that's, <laughs> that's a segue. That's a segue, right? Like yeah. You, you caught that? That's a, yeah. <laughs> who, like, who is Cody Littlewood? Uh, like, where did you grow up? What's your, you know, where did you grow up at? What was your family like? What was your childhood like? Give us a little something. Uh, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm a third, fourth generation Utahn. Um, okay. I live in Florida now. Um, so I'm really kind of breaking the trend for my family tree. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, like you know, I think, yeah, I know, I know, right? <laughs> um, but, I, you know, my family was among the, some of the, well, my mom's family was some of the, among some of the first uh, pilgrims across, uh, not pilgrims, uh, pioneers. Yeah. <laughs> so across, <laughs> uh, across the plains to settle in Utah, um, uh, Gentiles. And um, they, uh We've been in Utah for for basically forever. Um, my uh, my mom and dad still live there. Uh, one of my little sisters lived there. One of my other little sisters lives in uh, 
lives in DC. Um, I live in Florida with my wife and my amazing son, um, who is two years old. Um, yeah. Cool. What, what made you move to Florida? I uh, honestly, so I lived in, uh, so when I graduated college, I, I graduated during the, the recession, during the great recession. And I watched like my buddy who was a pilot, uh, he was serving tables at Ruby Tuesdays and another buddy who graduated with like this amazing degree, uh, you know, working, uh, working a really menial job. Just no one could find jobs, right? Like guys with 10 years of experience can find jobs, let alone fresh out of college. Um, mm-hmm. and I dated a girl that, uh, that was Argentinian and I just, it seemed like I was like, well, I could either slug it out here or like, I don't know. It seemed, I had no responsibilities. I, I, what, why can't I start my, my career in another country? So I moved to Argentina. Oh, I didn't well. speak any Spanish. Um, uh, I got a job there. I lived there for five years. Um, and then I met my wife who is actually not Argentinian. She's Ecuadorian, but she was studying there. She was going to university there. I was working there. Um, and there was, this is not like a, a totality of the story, but essentially I was living in Argentina, met my wife there. Um, my business was growing and I needed to move back to the States. We moved to New York. She didn't leave the apartment for three months because it was the middle of the polar vortex and she'd never been in that type of cold before in her life. <laughs> and uh, she basically said, let's get the fuck out of here. And so yeah. um, so we went down to, you know, we did whatever New Yorker, although I, I don't know if I'd be a New Yorker at that point. I was only there for nine months, but, um, uh, you know, but but we did whatever New York does and we moved down to South Florida. So. <laughs> you fast-tracked yourself to we the fast-tracked, end result. Yeah, I was yeah, a fast-track. Yeah, I was yeah. I was a I was a fast track New Yorker to Miami. I, yeah, instead of retiring I, I, I in Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm retiring. Yeah. Uh, right, I'm like exactly. Old, uh, an old New Yorker, but just I'm not old. I'm gonna I'm gonna buy you a golf cart one of these days. <laughs> like so, a retired. We golf we cart. have a we have a buddy that could probably hook us up. Right? Yeah, we do actually. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Okay, so all right, what what made so did you start your company in Argentina, your software company? Yeah, so I, I basically I was a consultant. Um, I became a consultant. So yes, I think technically my company was started in Argentina, but really when I started to get more and more customers was when I first was I think when I first moved to the states, or I, I started to have an inkling of a new customer. I was like, okay, like this is going to be too much. I was already I was traveling back and forth between Argentina and New York and Argentina and London like every other week for a while there. Um, and it was just like incredibly exhausting because it's about a 16 hour flight to Argentina and a 10 <laughs> or 11 hour flight to New York. And it was every other week. Um, so I, lot. I kind of said enough with this and, uh, let's just move to New York and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but, uh, but I guess I kind of started it there, but I, the, the start of my first company was not some genius thing it was just i started being a consultant mm-hmm. and i started building these software products and you know i found it accidentally kind of stumbled across another customer who was like could you do this for us as well and i was like okay well now i need to hire somebody and and so it was all it was all kind of an accident the company was yeah, called codelit because i had a customer before i had a, a, a an incorporated company um, and so mm-hmm. I just used my online handle that I'd used for years, which was, <laughs> which was like my first name and my last name. And, um, and cause I needed, like, I was like Friday and the lawyers were like, oh, we're going to send you a contract. What's, wh- what are you incorporated under it again? Right. And, uh, I just came up with something on the spot and then God, it wasn't taken. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. So then, 
Okay, I'm going to skip around a little bit because I'm really interested on this. Like this started, you got a customer and then what you just kept getting more and more customers was a word of mouth. Did you say, hey, there's something here? Is it marketing? Yeah, you know what? I I honestly, too much to our detriment, even today, I think, did not realize how important like building out. I was much more focused on product than I was customer acquisition. Um, you know, I, I mean, man, I was 20 two or three when I started doing this, you know, and, and I, I just didn't realize, I mean, there are so many things that I understand now that I don't, I didn't understand then. And I, I honestly, I was mostly just focused on building great product and the company for so many years rode on my back of like kind of my reputation, you know, and it kind of rode on the, on the back of my reputation. Uh, it wasn't because I'd done a great job of building out customer acquisition pipelines, um, or right. built a good sales team, uh, which were all things that the business has now done and is, you know, is some of those things even still in the middle of, of getting better at just because, uh, you know, and, and I no longer run the business. And so that's, this is why it's getting better at it is because there are people much smarter than me that kind of came along and figured out, okay, we need to, uh, you know, we need to, we need to, we, we need to build out this. This isn't sustainable to keep just riding off of Cody's relationships. Right. And so now it's a much more professional organization. But, you know, for a long time, it was just kind of, you know, it was meeting people in the industry and telling them what we did. And, you know, they'd be like, okay, these guys sound kind of smart. Yeah. <laughs> and here you go. Um, here we go. It was a lifestyle yeah. business for a very long time. Got so it was a lifestyle yeah. business for like five years. Yeah, and then I started sense. to understand how to build a real business. Yeah. Which usually takes about like that three to five year period is kind of what I, I, I find with other entrepreneurs. Hmm, it's like you're working on the business, working on the business. And then you, 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 you sense like, Hey, I can't, if anyone wants to like scale, right. it's like, this can't keep happening this way. You hit a critical mass and then you just like, Oh, things have to change. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's probably me, right? Like it's me that probably has to change in some way. But I, totally. I would, I would bet that the fact that you were so focused and it shows like who you are, you are so focused on your product and your product being so good. And I think that does go amiss a lot nowadays where people just focus on other things, but the product still has to be amazing or whatever you're yeah. selling, whatever you're packaging for people. Yeah. Yeah. For us, it was a service. Our product was a service, but yeah, the service had to be good. Um, and that's really what we focused on. We were like really a, a focused uh, you know, we were really like a, a, I guess a product or service focused business for a long time. And now it's becoming more of a sales focused business because that's, that's what you have to do to become a, you know, a, a large organization. Um, you know, I mean, you, you, you don't want to lose that, you know, but you don't want to lose having a great service or a great product, but you do have to figure out how to, you know, scale that. Got it. All right. A question for you. What would you, what would you do differently? Right, if someone's listening to this. What would you do differently? Um, what would you do differently? <laughs> I just saw the mic go up on the screen. It was going up so go. slow. It's funny. Um, what would you do differently? What was would be the one piece of advice you could give yourself when you were starting the business? Oh man, if I still had, yeah, if if it, I would have, I would have for sure. I would, I would have start. I would start a. I would. I would have started a sales organization and understood professional sales and channel partners much earlier on in my career. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and I would have realized how important that was. Right? I think you know, I you know, I, I, I kind of mentioned, I just mentioned a minute ago, but like you know, 
I thought it was kind of like a build it and they will come. You know, if you just build it, they will come mentality. I didn't realize the importance of putting, you know, putting your product in front of people and communicating that and helping them understand the value and, 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 you know, the value in that. Um, And how that, you know, it's not scalable for all the sales to be built off of a single person, right? If I would have got hit by a bus at any given point, the company would have died with me. So yeah, yeah, so I I would have done that earlier on. I think I would have paid a lot of attention to the people I was I was putting in place. I think in a smaller organization, it's easy for a founder to hold dead weight. It's a small company, so one hand, it's like hard for dead weight to totally get along, but like, yeah, you know, to 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 get away with it. But on the same side, it's it's a you know, it's a small, it's their small organizations, and so there's a lot of friendships in place, and you know, and and maybe so total dead weight doesn't get by because you notice it very quickly but maybe you're not truly looking at the types of you know people that can grow you to the next stage and you just kind of promote from within without realizing these people's limitations sometimes the team that you have at a three million dollar company is not the team that will take you to a 10 million 15 million dollar company so i would have i would have done you know definitely uh, that's a big point of advice um, I have for people, I think, um, you know, one other thing is, as I tried to get by on being cheap for too long and, uh, we were just talking about it the other day in, in our group chat, yeah. right? Um, it's way better to pay a lot more money to somebody than it is, you know, for, for what I'd rather, I'd rather pay a lot more money for one rock star than like mediocre middle market salary for two people. Yeah. I think that I think that's that that goes along for a lot of people. I had to learn that lesson as well, uh, very many, many years ago. But it's true. Like, you get the right rock star, you pay them enough, you make them happy. They will. They can accelerate a business tremendously. Yeah, tremendously. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, you know, uh, I know somebody on your team who's uh, who's a rock star, kind of your right hand guy, and uh, you know. I think I think you 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 certainly taking great care of him, and he's he's just a rock star. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Shout out to Robbie for that one. He is. Yeah. He's just like jack of all traits. Yeah. Um, you know that's it's it's interesting topic you just brought up about being the chokehold of any company, right? Like I get I get pitched like just recently I got pitched this like clothing line, and you know the first thing that came to my mind was if you die, and I don't I don't I hope you don't die, but if you die, the business is over. That's it. And he didn't yeah. understand that feedback. He's like, well, no. I was like, well, you know, something to yeah. think about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, um, what I'm going to, now I regress. All right, I'm going back to you. Uh, okay. No, no. So did you, I know how your business started. You got the customer, but did you always have an entrepreneurial spirit? Did you have the drive? Did you know when you're living in Utah, like I'm going to move to Florida, get a golf cart, be rich? <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Uh, well, I... You know what? Sometimes it takes a while to uh, figure out who you really are, and I, I think I, I was an entrepreneur as a very young kid. I bought a BB gun by by hauling fresh topsoil, uh, you know, from uh, you know, fr- uh, from like one block to like two blocks away, and it was a lot of topsoil. Um, like I, I had a, I had a lawn mowing business. I used to sell, I don't know, I, I, I sold a bunch of stuff. I, I was always like making money somehow. Um, 
but then like i guess i went into college and uh it kind of it kind of corrupted me i i like i uh you know i i in a way i like had this idealistic view of uh, of the world and um and i thought businesses were evil um and uh and i wanted to be like a you know like a journalist um and then i had a uh at a uh, just I, I yeah and then eventually i i kind of woke up to what that really meant and um and i think that uh yeah i, I don't know I, I started just investigating more and, and learning more about uh the world and myself and like really realized that wasn't my place in the world and uh and so then i went back to entrepreneurialism so i guess you know it's it's hard to run away from who you truly are but uh but yeah for for a period there i i, I definitely wasn't on that path i wasn't on yeah. the business path so right interesting do you think um i will go to your real estate business like do you have do you ever think you'll ever stop do you no. think you just stop working no 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 i no. listen i i so every summer uh you know i spend some time away from miami cuz the blistering heat and i try to i try to like you know, I try to, I try to kind of tone down my workload during that period. Um, not stop working, but I do try to not have any active projects, like active big things going on and spend a little bit more downtime. And like, all it does is recharge me to like, recharge me to come back and go harder. So, so that's all it is, is it's a recharge just to come back and go harder. I think my, but you know, I, I will always continue to work and I love what I do. I love, I love, buying real estate. I love making deals. I love finding deals. I love mm. operating deals. I love seeing the results. I love there's nothing like more satisfying than like really seeing like, you know, every value add deal you do, I don't care who you are, like there's like a there's like a knot in the pit of your stomach until it really starts to like till it really starts to work, <laughs> you know, and you're you're yeah, like out of that, that J curve and it really starts to cruise. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Um uh, you know, I I love the feeling of providing great returns for my investors. I know that sounds, I know that sounds stupid, but I, I really enjoy like, that sounds like a really uh, canned line or like an advertising marketing line. But I, <laughs> I genuinely, I, I love, I love doing, you know, I, I, I enjoy providing that value to those families. And for me, it's really like, it's really rewarding and satisfying to say like, here's my plan. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's how I'm going to execute it. Here's how I'm going to provide value for the families that live with us and the families that invest with us. And then like doing that and seeing and, and actually like, com, you know, uh, uh, you know, completing my word, right. Fulfilling my word. I don't know. That's that for me is uh, awesome. So I love what I do. Um, and I love building our firm. I, you know, we have big, big ambitions. Um, my probably, you know, my probably number one thing that I want to do is, is I think I told you a couple episodes ago that I, you know, for me, freedom is no alarm clock and no calendar. Yeah. So I love to work, but I, I want, I want like a, you know, I want three days out of my week to be no calendar, no alarm clock. And, uh, you know, to just work on the, like the bigger things in my, in my business, um, and not be on zoom calls and stuff like that. So, (laughs) yeah, that makes sense. Dude, you said something that was awesome earlier before we got on the call, which I think just kind of goes to who your character is. Cause you said, Hey, this sounds like a line, but it's really not Cody. Even before the call said like, I'm not technically a fiduciary, but I'm a fiduciary, right? Like you're always doing right by your investors. And I'm not just saying that to blow smoke up your ass, but like, it's true. That's how you think. I mean, that's the way you are. And so 
Yeah. There's, it's not every operator that's like that. I lose a lot of sleep over it, actually. Like, I, it probably would be yeah. better if I, uh, you know, it'd probably be better if I, uh, if I could learn to uh, balance that with a maybe a more healthy dose of, uh, of, 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 um, you know, I don't know what the platitude, <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I, I really, um, you know, I, at the end of the day, like your reputation's everything, and 100%. like takes ten years to build it and like a minute to lose it. And so I get really, I get really the wrapped up in that a lot. I think that's probably the, that, like that stress that comes along with it, with it is probably the worst part of my business. So yeah, if, if you're not an operator, you're not always consistently asking what's best for my investors. How do I do everything right by them? Eventually with time, you're going to get figured out by people and they're never going to want to stop investing with you. It's yeah. like, it's like poker, man. Like poker, you, I've met some of the greatest people in the world and I've met some of the shittiest people in the world. But it's the ones that consistently come through that consistently tell you the truth, consistently tell you the hard thing. Yeah. But they always do what they say. And some of those guys, you know, I can call up and ask for $2 million. They'll wire it without a contract tomorrow. It's just a handshake deal. But that's how it's got to be in this world as well, really in any business that I think a lot of people are so short-sighted. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you're... I mean, at the end of the day, you're, 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 tr it's trust in an operator, right? Um, yeah, 100%. And like, yeah. So, so, uh, I, I totally agree. And I think that, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of responsibility, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, even when everything's perfect, I'm always like, I'm always paranoid. Like, what, you know, what, what, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? My, my partner always says, he's like, my partner's eternally optimistic. And I also am kind of, I guess, eternally optimistic, but I definitely have a pessimistic side where I'm like, yeah. What is, you know, what am I missing? You know, what am I, what am I missing? What's going to, what's going to come out and bite us? So, yeah. yeah. I think you've been in real estate long enough. You're just going to know that something always goes wrong, right? Like yeah. there's one piece of the deal that always goes wrong. But as long as you build the cushions and in, in it and you adjust for that, you'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and, and even just like closing, there's always going to be something towards the closing table. Like, like there's always. never, like you're never just going to. You know, wire the money and it's done and title, everything's perfect, et cetera. Like there's always going to be something. Yeah. And so, you know, part of part of what's good to remind yourself is like, this is why we get paid is to solve these problems. That's um, well put. So, so, you know, so, and the problems are going to come up, right? Like you just got to expect them. There's not a single deal that's going to close smooth or that's going to run perfectly. Um, our job is solving big problems. So. That's absolutely correct. So, so why, okay. So then let's actually, I know we talked about the real estate company, but why did you uh, uh, start it? I know we mentioned it on other podcasts, but why don't you go and give a little brief overview of why you started the real estate company in the first place? You segued from the software company into sure. the real estate yeah, company. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't do a very good job of that. Um, actually, you know what? The host didn't do a very good job of that. Yeah, you know, I asked bad questions. <laughs> no, no, no. no. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so I, you know, I was writing pretty big uh, checks to the IRS. Um, I also felt like my business had a lot of ups and downs. Um, mm -hmm. you know, operating businesses tend to, right. You know, it can be, uh, you know, nothing is like, you know, no graph looks like this with an operating business. Like, well, and maybe, well, maybe it does, but not for people as dumb as me. And so <laughs> I, I, my, my business definitely had ups and downs and it had years where it did really great and years where it did. Okay. Never had years where it did terribly, but I just was, I just kind of like, I didn't like that uncertainty. And so I wanted to build really durable cash flow for my family. And I also, was writing these really big checks to the IRS. And I just said, you know, how do I stop doing this? And so I started investing in real estate um, uh, for both of those reasons. 
Um, and honestly, I just, I really realized how much I enjoy it. And I sat in front of a computer for so long, you know, writing code or, you know, building applications for, you know, honestly, for, for, for faceless organizations, I didn't really care about it. Um, you know, I cared about the technology. I cared about the product I was building, um, which is, I think, what made us, you know, a really good company. But at the end of the day, I didn't feel like I was, I don't know, uh, you know, right now I'm putting houses, like roofs over people's heads. Yeah. Um, and like that feels pretty cool, you know, like I like that. Um, and I just, I got really burned out and I really enjoyed, I felt like much more fulfilled in what I was doing in real estate. Um, and so, uh, at some point, I put in a CEO in place of the company. The company's a great company, and it built, you know, it's built in, in a, I don't know, hundreds of applications, and yeah. it's you know really successful. Um, and uh, there's a great team behind it, and so I didn't want to just like sell it or shut it down or anything like that. Like I felt like the value still was like deserved to continue on, but I just I, I didn't have the energy to run it anymore, um, and not like physical energy. I just like mentally, I just I couldn't get into it that much. And yeah. so I no longer was an effective CEO and I'd been doing it for seven years, right? So I realized I was no longer an effective CEO of that organization. And so I put in another CEO in place and, and, and you know, right now I'm creating a, uh, actually creating a board. But for a long time, the board was just like me and, you know, a couple trusted advisors. Um, and then the CEO would report up to me. Um, and I started doing real estate and like we just started doing bigger and bigger and bigger deals, uh, you know, over time as you do, right? Your first deal is really small and you, you, you grow and grow and grow. And eventually I didn't have enough capital to do it myself. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to raise some outside money. Um, I did it with a, a really good friend of mine uh, who I trust a lot, who had a lot of experience because I was like, okay, I'm going to bring in outside money. I definitely want to bring in somebody that even has even more experience than I do. Um and uh yeah and so we started getting on really well together um and uh you know i just had a lot of respect for his expertise yeah. and we kind of we kind of looked at it one day and we we're like okay uh we have two options right we can just be deal guys right there are guys out there that just do deals and there are guys out there that build firms um and, and i think when we looked at it we were just like okay listen if we want to really if we want to build a uh you know you can create a great life for yourself, just doing deals and, you know, raising money from, you know, folks and, and, and doing deal after, you know, be, being a deal guy, doing individual deals. But we felt like a firm with things like, you know, with things like professional asset managers and analysts that are watching over our, uh, you know, analysts that are watching over our, our property managers mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, a, a full acquisitions team, you know, our, our acquisition team underwrites like 300 deals a month or something, right? Wow. And we do four deals a year. Um, yeah, you know, insane. so if we can provide, you know, that's a way different infrastructure to support deals, you know, and, and, and provide value to our investors than it is just doing random deals. So we, we, we felt like we, we were like, okay, if we're going to raise outside money, we, we need to, we need to be professionals. Um, and I'm not saying that's the only way to do it. Lots of guys don't do it that way. But just for us, we're like, we we just really felt like the infrastructure was crucial and that we, you know, we mentioned duty earlier, right? Mm. Um, you know, I felt like we had a duty to do that. Um, or to just go a, you know, a different route and 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 you know, just a very different route and not do the types of deals we were doing. So, anyways, that's kind of the story how we started the firm. Um, I love having the firm and uh, we love growing it. And, um, and we've brought on some just awesome employees 
Um, so, and it's become incredibly fulfilling and it's a totally different, uh, it's a totally different company to build. Um, so yeah, so I'm, I'm, that's kind of the story of, yeah. uh, of, of how we came to be. Well, look, and the, and the cool thing about it is that you, you genuinely love real estate. Like every yeah. time I've ever talked to you, you, you just, you just really know it. You, you love it. You get lit up about it. Anytime we talked about your software company, you know, you've been like, all right, this is, you know, it's, it's like hard on you mentally sometimes. Right. And so you yeah. love it. You love what you're doing now. Yeah. I love what I'm doing now. I think that, you know, uh, there's, you know, it, it just, it's, it, 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 you know, I don't know. Some people are made to do different things. Right. And sometimes you figure you don't realize that on your first go in a company. Um, yeah. and you know, also, I think I'm also, you know, a lot wiser than I was. I'm not wise, right. By any means, I'm still probably an idiot, but I'm a lot smarter about how I'm building this company and not getting burned out than I was about my first company. So yeah. I, I know a lot more now about how to build a more sustainable business than I did back then. Um, you know, when I was 22 versus, you know, 12 years down the road. So, yeah, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. Like you, uh, it's like you're a real entrepreneur, right? You, you, you say like, I can go take these job, like deals down that becomes like a job, right? But if you're yeah. going to be an entrepreneur, you're going to scale something really kind of the premise of this whole freaking show is about how do you take something that you love? How do you scale it? How do you put the right people in place, right partners? And how do we make this larger than ourselves so that you can go to Italy for two months and enjoy and text your buddies on boats and, you know, things like that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I don't have anything else to say. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, or tell everyone a little bit about where are you currently with your real estate business? Yeah, so we we have about uh, between me and my partner, we have about fifteen hundred doors. We have I don't know eight, six, six or eight employees. Yeah, um, six to eight employees, I guess. Uh, it would be eight employees and contractors. I think six employees is probably yeah. an accurate way to describe it. Um, we are uh, we are. Our investments are all cash flow positive, but we as a business are not. Like me and my partner are investing a lot of money into, you know, asset management fees. You know, I, I was uh, I was talking to the owner of a uh, of a large private equity firm that's doing it, it has a billion in under management, right? Uh, and he said that even to this day, their asset management fees don't cover their overhead of their business. Yeah. Um, and so, and, and our, our, ours definitely don't as well. Um, so we're investing a lot into the business right now. We just hired an awesome VP of asset management, um, a former guy, a guy used to work for DRA. Uh, we're investing a lot of infrastructure right now, getting the right pieces in place um, to really continue to grow and support more and more and more deals. Um, so yeah, so uh, so that's kind of you know, and and we're fortunate in that we, you know, we're able to do that. We're able to make those investments into the business, and uh, you know, look down the road. Um, whereas I think a lot of other people are kind of doing that piece by piece as they go until they get cash flow positive, you know, until they get cash flow mm-hmm. positive on their, you know, on asset management fees to make those hires. But we're kind of like, okay, let's let's just put the hires all in place now. We both, you know, we both have the means to be able to do that. And so that's really what we've been doing this year is like laying the foundation a lot for, you know, for the right hires and the leads of the different different departments. Um, you know, going forward into 2023, I think we, you know, we we have maybe a hundred million in assets under management now, um, roughly, nice. uh, and, uh, 
well, I think together we probably have 200 million. Um, but, uh, but he was doing the, the he, he had a, he had a bunch of deals before, uh, before it. me and him hooked up. Um, but together I think we have about a hundred million under management. And I think, you know, next year our goal is to buy about a hundred million, 125 million. So. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. How many units would that be for you in your business? It would roughly be around a thousand units. Got it. Okay. Yeah. So very cool. That's, that's our goal. We'll see. Yeah. This year, I also had the goal to acquire, you know, uh, 800 units or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we're only going to acquire 400 ish uh, because it's just, it's been a weird year and the deals <laughs> haven't necessarily worked very well. Um, so, yeah. So, anyways, that's it's, we'll see what happens next year, right? Like maybe there's blood in the streets and we buy, we buy a hundred deals, right? right. Uh, you know, not literally, but, but, you know, it, it, it's hard. It's hard to know. You don't, it's, you know, as much as we work on our deal flow, we, we don't control totally of course what deals work and where the market's hitting. And, and we have pretty strict, uh, you know, one thing that I think is really important to understand in, in our business, right? You can make any deal work, right? You can change enough cells. You <laughs> yeah, can like, true. you know, you can bend enough things like that you can make any deal work if you if you move enough cells like slightly one way or another. Um, but uh, but really like, uh, but but really we, we that's kind of why we take ourselves out of it and we have an acquisitions team and like here are the hurdles, here are the requirements, here are the, uh, you know, here are the standards that we set Deal either hits or it doesn't, right? right. Um, it either makes it to the next phase or it doesn't. Um, and this year, you know, with our underwriting requirements, um, you know, with kind of upcoming economic headwinds and sellers just holding on to last year's pricing, um, you know, not a lot has not a lot has worked, right? Yeah, so, there's a big disconnect right now. Yeah, they, like cap rates have to go up. You know, like, they, but they don't, right? No, no. I mean, like, <laughs> for, for 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 you to buy more, for us to buy more oh, too. Yeah. Like, cap rates do have to go up. There has to be some kind of something um, has to happen. Yeah. Something has to happen. Yeah, something something has to give. Um, yeah. So certainly, something has to give, or we're not going to be doing a ton of deals next year. Um, but yeah, I think I think you know people keep saying like structurally cap rates have to go up, but you know one thing that I'll, I'll just I, I love to play devil's advocate, probably a little okay. bit too much, but. You know, uh, but I, I'll say the devil's advocate is that, you know, if you look previous during previous inflationary time, there's actually not a huge correlation with interest rates and cap rates. There's some, but it's not. Yeah. It's by by far means not one. Um, you know, or uh, I think what the P factor or whatever. It's by no means one during inflationary times. Uh, real estate has traditionally not lost a bunch of value, even with rising mm-hmm. rates. Um, you know, there've been other periods during when rates spiked that, you know, we've had negative leverage and everything really just comes down to flows, right? Capital flows. And if there's enough capital sitting on the sidelines waiting for distress, right? There's never going to be distress, right? So you're only going to see distress if there are deals in trouble and no liquidity to pick them up. So anyways, I think that, uh, there's a common, uh, you know, kind of a common misnomer there. I think that structurally negative leverage, you know, and, and, and there's been so much compression that, you know, in cap rates, the cap rates do have to start decompressing, but, you know, so, so I'm not saying I'm taking that side of the argument, but there is a devil's advocate side of that argument that like, you know, they don't have to increase, right? This is why we've had this conversation, right? It's like, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We're not trying to predict what's going to happen in the future. 
But this is why we look at every deal very specifically and we're just conservative and have to underwrite for what we can see in, right in front of us. We don't yeah. know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think you guys are like value add infill guys as well. So you're not relying on cap rates decreasing. You're not relying on the market. Uh, you're, you know, if you looked at where do our returns come from in this deal, right? You have kind of main, you know, a, a few right. main sectors, like, right? Market appreciation, uh, you know, market appreciation, interest rates decreasing and thus increasing cash flow, um, you know, or NOI growth, right? And yeah. for us, 100% of our returns come from forcing NOI growth. That's it. Um, so. I think that's what any good operator has to be only focused on is NOI growth, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. All right, cool. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. I want to know who you are and what you're doing because this is not this show is not just about business. Where it's going to be, you know, eighty percent, eighty five percent all business. But like, what are you doing for your health? What are you doing to feel the best that you can at a hundred percent? You and me are going to sound like an advertisement for Ryan Kennedy. So. But, uh, <laughs> so I work with Ryan as a health coach. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't do anything. Ex- I, I don't do any, you know, I think you do like, you know, no carbs. You're doing no alcohol right now. Yeah. I'm not quite as extreme like that. I just, or I, well, I'm going to order uh, this week, my, uh, my ice bath as well as sauna. Nice. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah. But I have a pretty strict regimen as far as like, uh, you know, di- you know, diet and stuff. Diet's like a huge thing. Um, but it's not, I don't really, I don't have like any sort of like limitation uh, limited diet, right? But mostly it's just about like eating whole foods, whole vegetables, uh, you know, olive oils, no seed oils, um, you know, uh, how I kind of structure my meals. There's a, you know, supplement regimen that I work with, with Ryan. Um, you know, I get four days of, uh, of, of resistance training and I have, I do things like I have a, I have a walking desk, um, it's basically just a treadmill under a standing desk. Um, but I, I really, you know, I'm, I'm standing right now. I, I, so they're like, I guess there's like a lot of little things that I've, uh, you know, that have added up. Um, yeah. I've definitely noticed, uh, uh, you know, I've definitely noticed big improvements, but I'm, I'm super conscious of it. Uh, you know, and, and, um, I think, I think I can't remember if we talked privately or on about this or we talked about it on the podcast, but you know, being a father, there's nothing that makes you realize how out of shape you are <laughs> or like how much you need to get into shape than like chasing around a kid or yeah. he's like, come sit next to me on the floor. And I'm like, Pinocchio, my bones are cracking. Um, so I'm doing a lot of things right now. Cause like my kid just got to this phase where he's really active and I'm realizing, Oh crap. Um, you know, not only do I want to be around a long time to enjoy everything I've built, but, uh, you know, I really, uh, you know, I really, I really want to, uh, you know, I really want to be a fun dad. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, I think, I think that's like the most important thing is to be healthy for the ones that you love, but also healthy for yourself later on when you're, you know, 75, 80, this is kind of like why football players, Man, they put so much damage on their body in the beginning of the, in their life, and then the latter part of their life, they are just oh yeah, like oh, so much hurt. Um, I have an NBA friend retired, and he goes, if it wasn't for stem cells, he'd be disabled. And wow. so he yeah, which is insane. So that was like a really big advertisement for yeah stem cells. Yeah, I haven't done anything like that. Um, you know, we do the, like the blood tests, the quarterly blood tests and stuff like that. Or, or I think we're about to start quarterly. I think before okay. we didn't do quarterly, but we're going to start quarterly. So I'm trying to like, 
hone everything. I do some brain nootropics yep. um, that I think keep me like really uh, naturally, uh, you know, more sharp and focused throughout the day. Um, uh, but you know, I, so I'm experimenting with a few things with Ryan, like trying different things out and trying to see what works for me. Uh, I do, you know, I really, I'm a big proponent of athletic greens. Ever since I started Mm -hmm. taking athletic greens, I like, I haven't been sick at all. The only time I got sick in the past three, four years since I started taking athletic greens was when I got COVID. And before that, I would get sick like a pretty, like a normal person, right? So, wow. you know, a few times a year. Um, and the That's only awesome. time I got sick this whole, this whole time. Yeah, my the, just the other day, my wife, kid, everyone's sick. This has happened several times. My wife, kid, everyone's sick. And I'm like the only one that's not sick in the household. So um, not that we're not sponsored by Athletic Greens. <laughs> Obviously, they don't they don't care about us. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I, I'm a pretty big proponent of that. And I, I just started um, a super gut. Um, uh-huh. which is like, uh, there's some really interesting study around, um, uh, this is like the David Freeberg back to this company. Uh, and basically there's a bunch of new, this whole new field of study around your gut bacteria and how influential. So your gut bacteria do two things. They like eat bad things. Yeah. And then they, well, a good bacteria, right? Like it eats bad, well, any bacteria actually, they eat things and then they release chemicals, right? And good bacteria eat bad things and they release good chemicals that positively influence everything, like everything from your blood sugar to your uh, cholesterol to your heart, blood pressure to weight loss and metabolism boosters, et cetera. Um, bad bacteria have the opposite effect and can cause inflammation. And yeah. eventually, uh, uh, they, they're even showing that like, um, doing, uh, doing like gut floral replacement where they basically, they inject your gut with good bacteria from somebody else's gut. Uh, I think it's called like fecal floral replacement or something like that. Um, can name. can can yeah it's it's not a great branding <laughs> but uh, but it can like cure all st- not cure but it, it it can significantly slow or change the direction of Alzheimer's or dementia. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm paying a lot of attention to like uh, that right now, and I just started this super gut thing. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. Yeah, please but, do. Um, but I think it's a really interesting area of study, and it makes it makes a lot of sense, um, right? Like when you look at what does everyone healthy have in common? It genuinely, it generally is around, you know, it generally is around like intake. Um, and a lot of that is around food and a lot of that's around, you know, what your gut is doing. And so there's a lot of like interesting connections that, that we're just discovering right now. Um, and we've only been able to do it in the past few years because of, uh, because of our ability to, uh, to sequence DNA and, and use yep. machine learning and stuff like that. So I don't know, pretty cool stuff. Um, but I don't know the effects of it yet. Yeah. Is there anything that runs in your family that you are concerned about? Yeah. Um, blood pressure. Yeah. So, and I already have kind of high blood pressure. Um, so cardio, the workouts, uh, you know, eating healthy and keeping cholesterol down. Uh, but you know, probably honestly, you know what the big thing I need to work on more is like, is, is probably, is probably meditation. Uh, okay. meditation and, and, uh, you know, walks in nature, that kind of stuff. Cause I, I think more than, more than hereditary, it's like a lot of it's probably just like, I'm just kind of an amped up dude. <laughs> so, like I got a lot of, I got a lot of, uh, energy and, yeah. uh, and, and, you know, that can get kind of bottled up and, uh, 
think, yeah, but yeah, blood pressure is probably the biggest one I, I worry a little bit about. Got it. Yeah. I mean, in my family, there's Parkinson's and there's heart attacks. And yeah. so, you know, I, I'm just trying to be as healthy as possible. I think. Uh, yeah. Well, the so, so supposedly the sauna and the ice baths are incredible for, uh, are incredible for, for, uh, uh, for, for blood pressure. Yeah. Great. So, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know ice baths. So I don't know much about saunas. I just I, I know ice baths a lot just because I, I do it every day. Yeah. Mostly every day. Today was the first day that I did it again after two weeks because I just had my procedure done on me. So I could. Cool. It was cold as shit today. Yeah. Uh, Remember when <laughs> I did that in Palm Springs and you're like, you'll get used to it. Yeah. 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 You will. You will. Um, all right. So uh, what I want thing I want to know about you is who are you? And you can answer it any way you want. Who are you as a father? Like, what's like, what's the lessons you want to teach your kid? I know I'm getting a little deep on it, but like, sure, you know, go I, ahead. you know, for yeah, that's wow, that's a that's a deep question. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's a deep question. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, I I am trying to be like a steady force, uh, for good in my child's life. So. Mm-hmm. I think that, uh, you know, I'm trying to provide like a very steady, uh, consistent, you know, consistent and loving and understanding like figure in his life. And I think, you know, I want, I guess, you know, like I, 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 I don't know why that strikes such a nerve with me, but I, I really don't want him to experience a lot of crazy ups and downs. I want him to always know that like he has a rock in his life, uh, you know, who loves him and is listening to him and is understanding to him. And I try, you know, I think the other thing I, I really try to not, um, you know, he's in his terrible twos. And so tantrums are like the normal. And so I also, I work really hard and I'm, and this is something I'm pretty good at. Like when he's just going nuts, I'm just being like, you know, it's okay, buddy. I understand. I also get frustrated when, uh, you know, and even though he's screaming and he's not really listening to me and I'm like, you know, but I always try to communicate really calmly with him and, and, uh, you know, and, and, and have fun with him too. You know, I try to, uh, you know, I love to take him on adventures and take him on the boat and, mm-hmm. you know, go to the beach and we go run around and we go, you know, see tractors at the construction site, which he loves. And so I try to take him on adventures and, uh, just communicate with him and talk to him, um, and be honest with him. Um, I heard, uh, you know, I know, I know he wrote a book that a lot of people really hate, but like actually somebody super interesting is Tucker Max. And like he, uh, if you haven't heard him in the past few years, he built this Mm -hmm. really cool company. Um, and he, he went from like writing a book about like, you know, about being a male chauvinist pig i guess kind of you would say um it was kind of degrading a women to being yeah. like this incredible father and husband and like adult and just like so i saw him speak and he said this he had this really interesting conversation where like they asked him what do you what do you want to like like how do you you know what do you do with your kids you have this like very extreme policy with your kids and he says he's always he never lies to his kids mm-hmm. um and he and even about things that like white lies, right? Like if his kids ask him if they're Santa Claus, he'll straight up to like, oh, there's no Santa Claus. <laughs> um, or like, you know, like if it's if, if his kid's like, why are you sleeping on the couch? He's not like, oh, like, uh, oh, I'm having a camp out here. No, he's like, you know, mommy and daddy had an argument. And, you know, like, so like, I mean, he's not rude about it, right? Or he's not, he's not, uh, you know, he's not 
causing right. undue stress when he explains these things. But he's honest and he gives honest answers to his kids. And I really liked that. And that's what I'm trying to do with my kid. I like, I'm very conscious to never, even little things, right? Like, cause like this person, you're supposed to be the person that he trusts more than anything in the world that he knows you will never lie to him. Like, like, like think about, think about the person, like the only people that take care of you your entire life, you start catching them in these little lies, little stuff, right? Yeah. Like, why does this work? And you you know, or why, why this, why this, why this? And they start catching these little lies that people just tell kids because they're like, kids don't get it, your kids don't understand, or kids aren't ready for it. And like, I think, I think he had a good point that like that can build distrust over time. And so it's better to tell them you don't need to like, you know, you don't need to be graphic or horror, you know, like I don't know, like, you know, if 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 uh, you know, they ask where kids come from and it's not super, you know, babies come from, it's not super age appropriate. You don't need to be horrific, but you don't tell them it's historic, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you don't need to go into blood, you know, really gory details. Well, not gory, but you know what I mean? Like you don't need to go into, uh, <laughs> you don't need to go into like all this. De- so anyways, I really liked that. Uh, that left a really big impression on me when I heard him speak. And I just, I, I, I'm trying to take that forward in my kid's life as well. So got it. I think that's yeah. super interesting. I, I think there's gotta be, somewhat to playing on their imagination, but also always telling the truth. Because I have to imagine, you know, I'm a hopefully soon to be expecting father is that I want my kids will like, will find out everything they they're they're going to be smart enough to understand what the hell is actually happening. Right. And so why lie to them? And like, we're we have to get a surrogate, right? Jessica can't have children, which is fine. We have found a surrogate. We always plan to tell our children were your parents, somebody else gave birth to you. I know you're not going to understand that, but this is what's going to happen. Someone else carried you for us, essentially. You know? And always just telling them the truth. So I think that's super interesting that you brought that up. That's cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, it's very cool. Okay. And then uh, I kind of hate skipping from something so deep and pure to, you know, money (laughs) shit. But but here we go. (laughs) You're like, no, let's go. Okay, what, what do you think is the biggest gift that wealth has brought you because you know you could retire if you want you 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 could you could have a golf cart you already live in florida but like what (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so i guess you know i guess it's like i guess it's like what i'm able to do for my family um Mm -hmm. that is like my biggest gifts some very specific things i guess you know some very specific things are you know I, I this is silly right but but uh you know one time we were traveling through an airport and i saw families like laying on the ground like sleeping because like the flight got canceled or whatever and they were all just like huddled up in the airport and you know like while i think i probably did that as a kid with my family and like it was whatever and i didn't think anything of it for me as a dad being able to be like, yeah, you know, fuck that. Let's go grab a nice hotel, right? Right. Um, uh, to not be stressed about, like, these are like things that I haven't worried about for a long time, right? But like, I think those are the, some of the things I appreciate the most is not being stressed about that. You know, uh, there's a lot of people, you know, so so I'm not, maybe I'm not even talking about wealth stuff, but I'm just talking about like some sort of financial security. Um, but some of those things are like the biggest things that I, I'm grateful for 
you know, it's, it's not the big things. It's like the little things, even like, you know, I, I guess, I guess a wealth thing is like flying, flying, uh, you know, flying first class, uh, you know, it's, it's not private, but it's, uh, you know, but it's first, you know, first class to, uh, to Europe. Um, yeah. so I don't know, it's just, uh, you know, and, and my, and like, like having my kid be treated incredibly versus like where in the back it feels like everyone's just cattle and they they kind of it's like a whole different treatment so i guess those those are like it's like things that that wealth does for my family that is really important for me it's you know it's it's the lack of you know no like not really having to stress right i could stop today and we could continue to live our lives pretty pretty well so so yeah, so I would say I would say it's the things that it does for my family, the access that it gives my family, um, the comfort that it gives my family, and I'm not sure, you know, honestly, I'm not sure if that's for them as much as it is for how I feel about how I'm providing for them. So, right. um, like it may be more of a mental thing than than what they actually care about, but it certainly for me that it feels like a big good gift because I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm, you know, I, I'm taking care of them. So. Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I think kids don't know until they get older. I don't think so either. Yeah, yeah, they don't know, but like yeah. it is, especially, you know, it's it's, it's, it's all it's, mental, but it's yeah. it's what it gives me. So it's, yeah, of course, just, yeah. it, it, but it's also what it, what you give to your kids too to be able to get them. I mean, let's just call it for what it is. I mean, for be able to have access to to better education and to have oh, yeah. access to different things, it's going totally. to the trajectory is so different, right? So yeah, or traveling, like being able to, yeah, you know go see these amazing things. Those things stay with kids. So, you know, yeah, traveling absolutely. and, and, and living, you know, life like that and going to the, the right schools with, you know, the right peers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I mean, you're the average there. I really believe in mimetic theory and I think, you know, the people you're around have a big influence on who you become. So, so yeah. So, to, I mean, all those things, yeah. but, um, sometimes just the little things too, like I said, like not, you know, even though probably my son wouldn't care and it'd be an adventure, uh, you know, I would care if I couldn't give him, you know, uh, a right. nice hotel room and we had to like crash on the airport floor overnight. So, yeah, of course. Well, Cody, dude, thank you so much. I mean, I love, I love hanging out with you. I love knowing about your story. Is there anything else that you want to give and impress onto the audiences of your big giga brain self? <laughs> no, 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 no. nothing nothing at all uh i think we're gonna have some really interesting guests um uh thank you for having you know doing such a great interview with such great questions and uh <laughs> uh making me think um really hard about uh the answers and uh Good. yeah i'm uh i i think you know i think we're gonna have some really great guests that are gonna be you know, very interesting for a lot of our, you know, for a lot of our, our listeners. And uh, I think it'll be, uh, uh, those guys will have the real giga brains. <laughs> uh, one thing I know for sure, we're, we're going to be around smart people and we're going to have some fun. That's it. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today. We think it's an absolute no-brainer that hitting subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app will help you on your journey to your next 10 million.